It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. From NBI Studios, this is Truth and Justice, a crowdsourced investigation in real time. I'm Bob Ruff. Ahoy, friends, and thank you for tuning in to the Friday Follow-Up for Season 12, Episode 25, the road to Austin Alba. This week, we bounced around in the truth and justice time machine while tracking Austin Alba's interviews. In the end, we ended on the 2015 police interview of Austin Alba, where we got to hear his whereabouts as well as a look into Austin's psyche. This interview generated a bunch of feedback from you, the listeners, as well as thoughts from the three of us. I'm joined by the man himself, Bob Ruff, the ever amazing Janet Varney, and I'm Zach Weaver, and this is Truth and Justice. Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications, and that's why yesterday I knew that he did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From something else, The Marshall Project and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You've seen the film. You know the game. Now, Jumanji just got real. Only at Chessington World of Adventures. Featuring Daredevil Dad, Mom on a Mission, and the kids who can't wait to ride the world's first Jumanji roller coaster. An epic adventure awaits. World of Jumanji. Only at Chessington World of Adventures. Book this summer's must-do day out at Chessington.com. All right, so this episode, uh, people seem to enjoy the hybrid uh, style of the episode, so I think that was a that was a win. Yeah. This week is going to be another similar, not quite the same, but kind of kind of similar with uh, this week, which I'll share at the end of the episode what we're doing uh, in this week's episode. But a lot of information, a lot of different takes. Saw some some great great discussions on the Facebook fan page. I want to give a shout out to my boy Wendell Mass or Moss. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I should. I've had him on the show before. Um, but he's always really good. He's like breaking down linguistics and then like kind of, I think our brains work kind of in the same lane, only his is just a few cars ahead of mine. Um, but, uh, just kind of puts it, he's an outside the box thinker. And, and if you haven't been on the fan page and looked at the discussions with Wendell, we'll talk a little bit of him on here. It's been great. Um, I want to hear your guys' take, Zach. What'd you, what, what did you think about Austin's interview? Well, first of all, as a listener, I love the hybrid interview because yeah. I've told you before, I'm not good with inter- I'm not good with like the police interviews. I have a very hard time with them. Uh-huh. So the hybrid interview really helped me a lot. It helped me go in to know kind of what I was looking for rather than just mm-hmm. mindlessly listening. So that was nice. Um, honestly, 
I, I don't know what I took away from this. I feel like Austin is is probably extremely full of himself. You know, he's very proud of what he does, which there's nothing wrong with being proud of what you do. But he's like, I've got a perfect memory. I remember it all. Which proved I'm, to be false a few minutes yeah. later. <laughs> but not only does he say it has a perfect memory, he's like, I just recited the victim's sister's car. I think I know. Yeah. Like, it was very, he's very full of himself. Mm-hmm. He kind of comes across as a little bit of an asshole, I'm going to be honest. But with all that being said, this still doesn't mean much, you know? It means he's full of himself. That's about it. Yeah. I, I definitely had some big takeaways from the interview, but probably not in the direction a lot of people think. Janet, what did you think? I uh, I am so preoccupied by the idea of how long it took for this interview to happen and how little right. you can follow up on anything. that, And that's not Austin's fault. You know what I mean? It's not Austin's fault. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. you could have, you should have, and you could have. And when you get this far out and, you know, you're talking to somebody who is, you know, at at the time of this interview, can't even remember the last name of the person that he was with, you know, whatever the context for that, whatever, you know, whether it's a manipulation of facts or not, it's like how. And then when you go, when you fast forward ahead to the trial and think, you know, this was all just so that they could say everything's been followed up on your honor. Don't let anything come in that might point right. to someone else. It's just and I will use this word for all you Brits gobsmacking like I just and I was just living in that space in such a big way. I just kept thinking again. It just reminds me of those those times where we've said, like, it would have been great to know that it's not their fault that uh, in past cases, it's not their fault that it wasn't followed up on. But it's uh, outrageous that you couldn't say that other people things, you know, about the same evidence seemed like it was provided for other people. And that that was never, you know, the jury never heard about it. Yeah, I'll say that the the interview tactics of this group of this team is better, I think, than than LeClaire's. There were definitely some. But I don't know if it's their fault. I was going to say that, that um realized I cut myself off, that there were some follow-ups that I certainly wish would have been asked, particularly about the incident at Denny's. But then I thought, it's like, maybe, you know, that that was one sentence in one interview in a giant case file that they inherited. I have to believe, I'm going to give, I'm going to give those, these, these officers the benefit of the doubt and say they didn't realize that. Cause I, cause, I think cause they, they would were, have asked it. I think they would have asked it if it were on their radar. They definitely yeah. carefully made sure to get to the questions that would make him the most uncomfortable at the end. Right. Um, they were definitely building rapport with him. They were treating the interview with a, the level of energy that you would sort of expect and need to treat an interview that's happening at a floating boat dock bar. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I thought all of that was interesting. Again, from a from yeah, from an interview tactic, from an investigation perspective, all of that was also totally fascinating. And obviously, tons of great conversations happening on the Facebook page. Uh, I, too, read Wendell's post um and uh and it this kind of trimming this down really became about like how do i because i wanted to pull some stuff that wasn't on the follow-up post um but we definitely have a ton of feedback and you know we'll we'll do what we can to get through it all yeah so real quick before we get i'm gonna i'm just gonna kind of share some of my basic takeaways before we get into the interview there's definitely some things that that are 
I don't want to say suspicious, but maybe re- definitely red flags. The his response to the classic "What would what do you think should happen to the person that did this?" Definitely. Now that could just be his take on the justice system. So I'm not saying that it, that it means anything, but it definitely uh, piqued my interest when he was like, "Well, I think they should be prosecuted. They should get a fair trial." That's you know that's the, the reason they ask that question is because you're looking for that response. Uh, his his unwillingness to test DNA, which there's update. Just to give you a brief update or a, a brief look ahead, obviously we're going to dig into it in forensics. Uh, ultimately, they did get his DNA, not willingly, um, and he wasn't connected to anything at the, on the crime scene. Um, but the, but the fact that he didn't want to give it, give the DNA, um, certainly, I think that he was he was everyone literally everyone we t- that we heard from said that he hated Becky. And then he's kind of presenting himself as her friend, and but you, like I said in the beginning, he kind of backed off a little bit on that. He's like, ah, our relation was all right, and then he kind of let leak out a little bit how she did annoy him. Um, but I didn't. I guess what I'm getting at, there was definitely things that are like, well, these are these are kind of suspicious. It's enough to let to make me he stay on my radar. But I think the most useful part of the interview was we get a little more insight into. I think Javi's relationship with Becky, and I think it maybe explains some of Javier's behaviors or the way he worded things or responded to things in his interview. Um, and that's part of what Wendell was posting about. Uh, and then I added onto it, onto it too. Austin says that we heard from Jacob that what he say that, you know, that, that several nights she would spend the night at his house. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Austin was like, yeah, she like basically she lived there. Like, like his take on it was that she lived there. Yeah. He even at one point that the, the officer asks about when he, when's the last time she stayed there. He's like, I don't know. She stays every night. Right. Um, and then we heard, we heard from, from Javier that, you know, remember I kept saying like, there's, there's some reason he's overselling this and he keeps like, oh, she woke up in bed next to me. and She stayed with me and she was with me all the time. Um, and the so for for me listening to that and what Wendell and I got to talking about on that thread was there was a, it seems like there was a significant change that occurred on that Thursday. So the sleeping in bed with Javier and and staying at his house and spending every waking minute with it it wasn't just that oh she broke up and then for the people that have. All his friends seemed to think he he had a crush on Becky and wanted to be with Becky. It wasn't just that, oh, maybe this is my chance, but it seems like there was a significant behavioral change where it went from she was, even though she might hang out with Javier at the end of the night, she's in bed with, in the apartment with Jacob when she was living there and she was staying there. And then after Thursday, they break up. Now she's spending the night. Uh, kind of Wendell's take on a lot of that was, Maybe the reason she was so connected to Javier in those final three days was that she was scared that she wanted him to be around. She didn't want to be alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that, and that's possible. There, there is the moment in there, and I'm I'm going to paraphrase because I don't know exactly what he said, but he does say something along the lines of like, you know, when it happened three days later, she was dead. Like he, yeah. he mentions that, so I mean that would put it around that time frame. Yeah, and he points to the breakup. Right, he doesn't yeah. say the breakup, but he says. I don't know. Everything was great. This thing happened. Three days later, she's dead. Well, that takes us right back to the breakup, mm-hmm. right? That 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 had occurred back on Thursday. Um, but really, for me, it just it, it put Javier in a different context for me. If 
in his mind, not only is now maybe now's my chance because she's broken up with him, but now she's there's been a, a significant change in behavior. She's with him all the time. She's sleeping in his bed. It, it and it could be delusional. It could it, it could be incorrect in him thinking that way. But I he I think he could be have been seeing a big change in that relationship, which I think maybe kind of explains why it's almost pride's not the right word, but it's the overselling. It's the best word I can think of is is like pride. Not that he's overselling it for some other reason, but it's like, yeah, she woke up next to me because, you know, he was super. I think he was very excited about the fact that that change had occurred, that she was spending. And, and we'll parse this out much more later. And it's very difficult for me to articulate or even type it what I'm trying to say. But it just it just made a difference to me in how I was looking at Javier and his answers. If what Austin was saying was accurate, which seems to track with what Jacob was saying. Also seems to track with the phone records. I mentioned those two weeks before the murders, there were 600 points of contact via phone between Becky and Javier. Mm -hmm. Well, you don't call people when you're with them, right? So that means they were in contact, but they weren't together. Yeah. And But now all of a sudden she is together with him all the time. So anyway, that was interesting. And then the fact that he points back to then it happened three days later, she's dead. We know that was a breakup, which then run, runs me right back to um, the fact that Jacob continually keeps doubling and tripling down on the fact that I he was out of town in Costa Mesa on Thursday when we know for a fact that he wasn't out of town, not until Friday. It wasn't this long trip to Costa Mesa, coupled with what Wendell says that maybe she doesn't want to be alone. Someone else in that chat pointed out that, or in that that Facebook post pointed out that uh, remember Saturday morning, there was the whole thing where Javier was talking to his mom and he heard Becky arguing with somebody on the phone. And then he came back. Well, we've heard from Jacob that, oh, yeah, they were talking on the phone. Everything was cool. And and it, we just kind of took his word for it. But perhaps that was Jacob on the phone that morning. We know there was a conversation with Jacob that morning, maybe who she was arguing with. Maybe there was a fear of Jacob or something. I'm going to, I'm going to move on to questions because I feel like I'm rambling, but there's just a lot to think about. Like my brain was really whirling through this and it wasn't whirling like, ah, I think Austin was involved and he's, he's part of this. It was just, he, he gave some insights that I found interesting and I know we're long without getting into the questions, but, um, Janet, you said that you talked to Dr. Shiloh about this, who is in the chat and has given you permission to share what, what was well, her she's, kind of yeah, no, she's, on? she said that, she, I mean, it's in the, it's in the chat right now. She, she didn't necessarily get vibes of guilty knowledge or association with a crime itself, but just some sort of right. narcissist things happening and some kind of wanting to be the smartest guy in the room. Um, mm. A lot of people on the Facebook uh, page, um, this, <laughs> this definitely goes towards maybe being suspicious of, you know, his involvement or lack thereof. But they likened his interview to an Israel Keys interview. Um, the same sort of like awkward laughing at weird times, like trying to create a camaraderie on his side, the same way the cops are uh, doing it with him. But like maybe it not being as successful and sort of saying things that are a little off and then kind of laughing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, that was some of the kind of comparisons that were being made. But again, that being said, I don't know that all of those people were also saying like, therefore, you know, he too is is a serial killer. Like I, that's not what I think that's a lot to extrapolate. But to, to put a, a, a button on it kind of, and I think I'm 
close down kind of the same lines as Dr. Shiloh is this interview to me made me think Austin wasn't involved. Mm -hmm. And I think I told you that coming coming in that you may be surprised by my take on it. He was his willingness to talk about the shotgun and having been up there and stuff like he, it was, there was just something about the, and it was just maybe more of a vibe, but I was like, I don't think that, I don't think that if he was a part of this murder, that he would be so willing to talk, that he would be sharing that information, yeah, I, I that have he to would agree. be, um, and that doesn't mean that that's the case, but it, it definitely, I didn't hear this and think he's, I didn't think that he was any more of a suspect afterwards than I, than he did, than I felt before. And, and you know, we kind of talked about this before too, but the whole idea of him changing the story about like, well, he didn't really like Becky too now. Oh, that was my friend. I think that's, that goes back to that alluding of like self-importance. Like he's really not trying to, to change the the narrative that he all of a sudden doesn't like. He's trying to make it important. They're like, my friend was killed. So like, yeah, I've been paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. I, now don't get me wrong. I'm kind of like what you said at the beginning, like definitely got a bad vibe from the guy. I wouldn't want to hang out with this guy. I mentioned in the episode, I've heard some people that from some people that knew that know him, knew mm-hmm. him. Um, but I, but I, I tried very hard not to let that like seep into my analysis of the actual interview. Like the fact that like, you know, if you're like, this guy seems like an asshole to me, he could be an asshole and not have been involved mm-hmm. in the crime. But, right. um, you know, as I mentioned last week, at this point, all we're doing is gathering information right now and determine what can be verified, unverified, what can be eliminated. Certainly can't say he's eliminated, but but he's definitely not like front and center on my radar. OK, uh, I want to get into this question uh, from Kristen H, uh, because it's also something that um, someone in the chat is like continues to answer over and over again. So I just love to put this put this away. Uh, Kristen says, did Austin Alba ever submit a DNA test? Do we know the results? I kind of slid it in there. So let me state it a little more a little more clearly. I, like I said, yes, we're going to when we get into the forensics, we're going to dig into all of this. Um, but I'm just mentioning because I don't want people going down a rabbit hole that they don't need to go down. Um, he he his DNA was collected, not willingly, um, but it was you know with a warrant they they got his DNA, uh, and and his DNA was not found on anything at the crime scene. So so just know that 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 well, again yep. we'll get into all those details. But right. but yeah he was not his DNA did not tie him anywhere to anything on the crime scene. Okay. Um. Also from Kristen, would Austin, Jacob, Javi, and Bo have to pass by the road to Becky's house when they went to the fire pit, bonfire area, et cetera, however you want to think of it? It's not. I showed you the map, didn't yeah. I, where it's at? I mean, you could pass it, but you don't necessarily Dep- have There's a couple to. of Depends ways which you direction. could sort of go. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, for those that are on YouTube, you could see. So there's like two main roads that go up to Alpine. And so this would be Alpine across here, across the top. Um, and, and Becky's house was in the middle, the, the road that goes back to the spot where they, the campfire pit was, was like over here. So like, if you came up this road, yeah, you would drive right past her house and then it's kind of tucked back in behind it. If you came up this road, no, you wouldn't go past her house. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then Kristen also says, did you notice that Austin is now distancing himself from that area by saying he was probably in Laughlin slash Bullhead City during that weekend? Any significance there for you? Um, No, there wasn't for me because I there's certain things that we you've all heard me very get very scrutinize 
details that people gave about their night, but, but that's all very relevant to when they were asked and what events we're talking about. Being asked nine years later what you did on that weekend, and from when we heard from Chris and uh, Paris Bird uh, from those those interviews that I talked about, it was a very regular thing for them to go to Laughlin uh, or Bullhead City or wherever wherever it was. Um, so so him saying that he thinks he was there, but then he but then he but then he does say, still say that he was in town on Sunday. Whether he went there or not, he still said, if I'm remembering correctly, that eventually they were in the desert, him and Chris, and that he went to Hemet. So he didn't he didn't cut that part out of his story. He just kind of added in prior to that a trip to Arizona um, or Nevada, wherever. Well, I don't remember where it was, but no, I, I didn't I didn't have any issue with that. Right or wrong, it's it's you, you can't hold somebody to something like that nine years later. Okay. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Um, Sarah, oh, we've addressed this. Sarah, I just wanted to uh, acknowledge your comment about, you know, Know, many people also saying, commenting on the why would he say that he was friends with her? Everyone said he hated her. So I just wanted to acknowledge I saw it. We've answered it. Uh, Lauren wants to know if you've been in contact with any of the cold case detectives that were involved in the case. No, I haven't. Bonnie says, and there's uh, chatter about this on the Facebook page as well. Bonnie says, uh, Austin says that Jacob had a motorbike. It made me think how the killers could have left the scene unnoticed. Is it possible that the killers traveled separately? Could a motorbike even have been used as a uh, getaway vehicle? Um, was that considered? We talked about that a little bit when we were sort of trying to figure out what we thought could have happened and where people could have gone uh, earlier on mm-hmm. in the show, right? Um, did that trigger anything for you uh, hearing about the motorbike? No, because I, I think that, a um, and he wasn't, he didn't clarify. We don't know if he's talking about a Harley or if he's talking about a dirt bike, but I think that a motorcycle would have been noticed more so than a car and no one even saw a car leaving the area. So I still, I still maintain, I think whoever did this was parked far away, uh, at least far enough away that they were able to walk to an area where their car wouldn't be noticed near the crime scene. And no one reported seeing a motorcycle. Suppose it was a dirt bike. Someone could have taken that back trail, but I don't, I got the impression that he was talking about a street bike. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I don't think so. Someone else on the Facebook page um, was asking if the tracks that they thought was the wheelbarrow could possibly have been from a motorcycle. Uh, and, and just so I can answer that here, no, cause the, the tracks, they literally lead to the wheelbarrow tire and in the, there's pictures where you can see the tire and see the tread and it's the, those tracks definitely came from the wheelbarrow. 
Okay. Yeah, I don't think I included that because I think maybe that was answered in the chat itself uh, or in the the follow-up itself. Okay. Uh, Autumn says, there's been a lot of discussion recently about the current DA or someone leaking the case file to another online group. Could we get clarification on this? Um, If it's true, it could speak to the possibility of corruption. Um, And uh, there's, you know, people were saying like, there's a lot of people who are trying to figure out how things have come into discussion that we haven't discussed and whether or not uh, they should be able to have access to that stuff. I don't know if you want to include this, but it definitely is like a hot topic. So I wanted to mention it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where the, the other the other group that, that has a case file has said that they didn't get it through traditional means. Uh, I've heard them say that it they found it unsecured online somewhere. I really have no idea. I, I suspect someone the, the big one when they when they had the video that had Robert or Christian in it, there were he supposedly confessed. That one to me came from some that wasn't in, you know, that that was an interview that wasn't played at trial. It was it was not allowed to go into trial. It's not in the discovery file that I have. Um and the fact that they had that video, they posted it and went right to a timestamp when there was a supposed confession with any random listener just watching it, I don't think would just randomly pick that spot. So it seemed like someone directed them to it. So it it seemed it seems to me that the that some of that came from someone obvious with direct knowledge of that whole deal, uh, with them trying to get that in as a confession uh when it was determined that it wasn't um, or that it couldn't be determined what was said. But yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. There's, there's definitely a group that has access to the case file. I don't know where they got it. Um, I, I will take this opportunity. Just, I, I don't want to make any drama out of it, but like that, that's the, the biggest reason people are, are like removed from the Facebook page is because the one thing that we've asked is in our official fan page you can go to other places and talk about it. If you want, I don't care. But on our official fan page, our our goal is to the our methodology has always been we take one element at a time. That's what we discuss for a week. We work on that. We leave no stone unturned. We move on to the next one, and we don't get ahead of ourselves. People have posted like links to things that are like public, like article news articles and things like that, or forty eight hours episodes, whatever. That's fine. It's out there. But when they'll come in and then post. You know, while everybody's over here talking about a particular interview and they're like, yeah, but this and post some case document that we haven't gotten to yet. We're going to get to all of it. Um, but that that is not allowed on the fan page that will that will get you removed from the fan page. So there's there's other places you can go to discuss that stuff if you if you want. Um, but just consider this final warning because it's it, the, our admins are, are are playing whack-a-mole half the time with people that, and some people it's just genuine mistakes and some people are just doing it intentionally to try to change the narrative. Um, so just know that that consider that your warning. Okay. Um, there was also a lot of, uh, stuff being said on the Facebook page about, um, <laughs> and if you said this and I missed it cause I was scrolling through comments, I apologize about the sort of, um, clumsier part of a conversation where they get to the trunk stuff. Um, he says, I've never owned any of that. That's really weird. Um, she gives him later an out that it could have been a cop, uh, a cot rather. And uh, people mm-hmm. notice that he seemed to jump on that really quickly. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm sure that that is what it was. Sure, sure. Uh, or it could have been this. Um, I think that was uh, that was an element that was um, a little alarming or off putting to a lot of different people who are kind of wondering uh again does that just sort of fall into the 
into the line of like, well, he just was, you know, wanted to get the interview over with and didn't want to be a suspect. And like, it doesn't mean anything. No, I I think and this part of what I when I said that he didn't make me feel like he was any more guilty by listening to this. That my take on that part was that that incident probably did happen. Um, and I think that he probably knew it and he knew it was a problem. And that's why you're like, I've never owned any, you've never owned a gas can in your life. You've never owned a trash bag in your life. Mm -hmm. Like, give me a break. Uh, I don't believe either one of those two things. Uh, the fact that he wanted to to stop the interview there. But uh, again, I, I, my take on that wasn't that he's like, oh shit, they're on to me. I think, I think he's a very intelligent guy. And I think when he heard that, he thought, uh, he, he thought, oh, they think I'm a suspect because of that, and I don't want to be a suspect, so I'm backing away from this pretty quickly. And he, he puts a pretty good cap on the, the bag issue. He's like, oh, it's probably laundry. Like He's like, yeah, I had a, ba- a Costco bag. It's probably laundry in my trunk. Yeah, you know, whatever it was. But, that, but his reaction to that, to me, the, my read on that was that the light bulb went on where they were like, you know, he's probably thinking, oh, they're talking to me because of Jacob and da 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 da. All of a sudden, he's like, oh shit, they think I'm a suspect. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm out. I'm I'm out of this. I don't want to get. I don't want to get wrapped up in this. Um, but 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 I think it's very possible to realize that you're a suspect and that's a problem. And that could sound the same as realizing you're a suspect and you actually did it, and that's a problem. I don't think I don't I think if he was actually involved, um, most likely the interview would stop there. I think he's smart enough. You know, he obviously knows his rights when he says I'm going to put a stop to this and that's it. I think that, and again, I'm not eliminating him, but but for me, I thought if he's really involved with this and he's like, oh shit, they're on to me and they think I'm a suspect. I think that he holds his ground. He goes, no, we're done, we're done here. You can talk hmm. to my lawyer. Uh, but he didn't do that. Okay. Uh, I wanted to address this. Uh, Mary made sure to list this in the follow-up post, uh, saying this is from a combination of a lot of other listener comments. Would a theory make sense where Becky's sister was the target, knowing uh, that a lot of people were kind of thrown by his, you know, knowing her car so well, knowing that it was her sister's car, knowing that her sister was in the Air, uh, Air Force, Airport, I almost said Air Force, and uh, and so I think that's something that was um, swimming around a little bit on Facebook. Like, why the sister? Why all this preoccupation with the sister? And just wanted to get your thoughts on that. I, I'm having a hard enough time still trying to figure Becky as being the target. I don't think I can wrap my release right now. I've seen no evidence to indicate mm-hmm. that her sister was the target, and God help us all. If her sister was the target, because imagine how many more police interviews we're going to have to hear to get there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't read anything to believe that she was a target. I, when she was mentioning her, I th- I took it more as like Austin probably found Becky attractive and was like, Haha, I wish her sister was in town, too. That way I could date her. Yeah. That's the way I, t- I didn't take that as anything else. Yeah, I just don't know what Did to make of any of that. Do you have a thought on that, that, Janet? I just don't know what to make of any of that. I, I yeah, I don't know. I I don't uh I don't know. 
I mean, I also don't necessarily put a whole bunch of stock in like the I'm really interested in what you guys were talking about with this event. And certainly there were a lot of questions about the three days. And was it three days after she died or three days before she died leading up to when she died? There was a lot of confusion around that based on the way he chose to address it in the interview and that it kind of shifted and changed. I don't know that I put a ton of stock into him saying she was there every night and suddenly that means she was there every night. I think he felt like she was there all the time and every night because he didn't want her there. So I could see him grossly exaggerating that on the same level as Javi grossly exaggerating that she wasn't ever there. So for me, Mm -hmm. all of that sort of cancels itself out. Like, I I sort of feel like, uh, I don't know, like, I don't know that she was there every night. So um, but I'm interested in sort of where that's led you guys. Um, And, you know, I I understand how you got there. And on, on that topic, too, I want to point out that it, it, to me, it, it wasn't just that he said that it was uh, when he said that it clicked me back to remember Jacob saying that she spent I don't remember how many nights a week that she spent there, but it, he, he said, already said first he also. said, yeah, he said mm-hmm. first he said two. And then like later on, I think he adjusted that to two to three nights a week. Yeah. So so he had said she stayed there a lot. Austin thinks she stayed there a lot. The call logs indicate that Becky and by the way, I got. As we were getting ready to record, I got an email uh, from Teresa, a listener who has been painstakingly working for like two weeks on giving us a full call log on in Excel, not Word. Um, <laughs> that I, I don't know even know how far back she went, uh, but I'll have that posted soon. I haven't looked at it yet, but she got that put together. Um, but from what I've seen, the call log, it looks like that her and Javier weren't together all the time. And then the last thing I thought of, because he made it sound like, you know, the thing that happened was she moved out and went back to her mom's house. I think he said that. And what did the police find in her car? They found bags full of clothes. And I think they even said it looks like she was moving. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we were wondering, where is she moving to mm-hmm. from her mom's house? Mm-hmm. And when he said that, when Austin said that, I was like, she wasn't moving to someone from her mom's house. She was moving her stuff out of, even if it's like a part-time thing, like a few days a week or whatever it is, right. she was moving her stuff from Jacob's house back to her mom's house. And you think that by, think if that, she took it on Thursday, she wouldn't have taken it out of her car by Sunday? Maybe not. Well, she stayed, she stayed down in the valley a lot. She stayed with, in those couple nights, she was staying with Jacob or uh, Javier. Yeah, fair she enough. She was up there Friday, we know. Mm-hmm. I think Thursday, Javier said he was with her. Saturday, she spent the night at Javier's. The night before the murder. Friday, so I think they were at her house, though. So. Right. I said Friday yeah. was the one day she was th- that she was at her house. Yeah. So I, I don't know. But we, we've been, for me, I've been trying to figure out where was she going? Why did she have all those clothes in her car? We haven't seen or heard about her moving anywhere mm-hmm. until what we heard from Austin. So it was like, and it, and it doesn't mean that's that's absolutely what happened. But to me, it starts to connect a dot. It's like, why are all of her clothes and all her belongings in the back of her car? Well, according to him, we know we already know from Javier and sorta Jacob that they broke up on Thursday and that she stayed there some at least sometimes. And then Austin says, Yeah, she like moved packed her shit up and moved back to her mom's house or went back up to her mom's house up up the hill. It's like, oh, maybe that's why I should I should say that. Maybe that's why she had all that stuff in the back of her car, because she was getting her stuff out of Jacob's house. Back up to her house. Yeah. Or she just kept that stuff in her car all the time because she was popping around to so many different people's places in the valley. She kind of might as well just have a ton of stuff with her that she yeah. can, you know, access where whoever she crashes with. Um, mm-hmm. uh, okay. Uh, wanted to address this too. Uh, 
uh, Amber says uh, he mentions more than once about an, a recent ex-boyfriend of Becky's if they all talked about it after her death. But Robert isn't a recent ex. Um, and so, you know, just wondering if you could extrapolate that if that was true and it wasn't just something that Austin was saying because that's the sort of narrative that everyone's following at this point is that it's Robert and Christian, Robert and Christian, Robert and Christian. What if it was a different ex? That's sort of, you know, what she was. It's possible. But the impression I got was that he was referring to Robert and Christian or to, yeah. excuse me, to Robert. Uh, that was just the and that's just the impression I got when I heard it was the conversation seemed to always be about them. And the the way he referred to the recent ex seemed to me that he was referring to Robert. Okay. Uh, yeah, agreed. Uh, Wendy says, um, I'm curious about the undocumented interviews with Bo and Nick. There are no records of the interviews apart from the notes saying they confirm Javi's alibis. Is this a common note? And, and she's just, she said, you know, ever since you talked about that, it just hasn't sat well with her. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, because we do have the interview with Bo that we heard a couple weeks ago or last week, whenever, what, two weeks ago, um, where he was interviewed in May of 2007. And that time he says that he was hanging out with Javier, but his interview the morning after he didn't say that. So the interview we have, but let me back up the report that says that Nick and Bo both alibied Javier was written in January of 2007. So it was before the interview that we have on record in May where Bo does essentially alibi Javier, but we have nothing from Nick ever alibying Javier and there's nothing on record before January of Bo doing it. So uh, it's not common. I don't know what's going on. Uh, and it, it's concerning to me that that's just thrown in there, but it's the, they are the only interviews that we don't have any record of. Okay. Uh, Byron says, uh, I'd like to know if Austin's parents were in law enforcement. And then that sort of led him to a bigger reason why I included this, which was he says, I'd actually like to know who all had ties to law enforcement, like sort of looking for that list like we've talked about, um, the list that we're always sort of hoping for that we wish we had. Like, these are all the people the police talk to. These are all the people that were had families in law enforcement, you know, the sort of organizational mind who yeah. wants to go, oh, I'd love to be able to keep that in mind as I think about these different people. Yeah. So Javier had obviously his dad was the DA investigator and his mom was an assembly woman and Corey Donovan's dad was a cop. Jacob's step sounds like ex stepdad mm -hmm. was a cop um, and and Javier senior is his uncle. I feel like Becky's sister became a cop and she her, was a cop. At she the was time. a cop yeah. at the time. Yeah. And her dad yep. was an ex sheriff. Yep. Department. Yeah. And I'm trying to think of any of the other, I don't know about Bo. I don't think Nick Crum, not sure about Nick Coraline, but definitely those, those three, Jacob, Javier and Corey Donovan all had connections to law enforcement. Okay. Uh, Brenda says, uh, just, I think, kind of voicing a lot of people's curiosity. Sarah G., I know, was curious about it. I even saw something about it in the chat um, with respect to Austin's job and how he mentioned that he investigates people and that he has this sort of high security clearance and works in cyber security and information and DOD, all that kind of stuff. Um, people were just speculating whether or not he might have access to people's sensitive information uh, in a way that others might not be it financial information or just sort of personal where you live kind of information. 
Uh, well, I don't think he would like have like legal access to that stuff, but it sounds it sure sounds like he has the skill set to be able to find that information. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what he works. I, I mean, he doesn't go into detail, but he did network security for the military and three letter organizations, as he pointed out. So he's obviously a smart guy and he knows his way around around a computer. So, yeah, I don't think that was part of his job, but I think it's part of his skill set. Yeah. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Sarah wanted to know if he ever did try to join the police or military, just because that was sort of part of the conversation with the cops. Not that I know of. Um, getting close to the end. Uh, this prompted for Marianne a question of, um, you know, we talk about post-offense behavior and all of that stuff. And so it just kind of prompted Marianne to say, like, are there a bunch of, you know, are there examples of one and done murders that, you know, that do harm, that kill people in a single event and then sort of go on to lead a squeak, uh, squeaky clean crime-free life? Um, how likely is it that could even happen that like how likely is it that that's what happened in the pinion pines case that whoever we're looking for didn't do anything after that yeah i mean i would i would vault back i mean i think dr shiloh's in the chat too if she's paying attention and can chime in um but you know jim clemente gave us kind of a list of post-defense behaviors it all depends on the motive behind the killing so if it's a personal cause homicide um which uh jim and i both agree that this is uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that they would offend again, but you you would probably expect, you know, as post-offense behavior, you would expect some big changes from whoever did this because of the type of crime that it was. So like, um, you know, he mentioned, and I know that we've seen some of this already, but like the, you know, moving away, having, having mental breakdowns. Um, uh, you could also see maybe violence, in someone's life, the type of person that would react in a way that would do all of this, probably post-defense, you would see other incidents in their life where they've reacted violently to uh, to situations. But yeah, th- th- there's there's plenty of one and done to get, I guess to get back to the question um, situations out there where if it if it's a personal cause, how this is not a person who's like uh, a psychopath who who likes hurting people, uh, a serial killer. That they, you know, that's how they're going to scratch that itch is to hurt people or kill people. Um, that's very rare, actually. Uh, so in in most cases, it's a personal cause. Something happened that was unplanned, and they snapped. This this crime scene is a little bit kind of in the middle of that because it seems personal cause. It seems very targeted and direct, but it also seems very premeditated. It doesn't look at all. You know, given the proximity and everything, the weapons used, this doesn't at all look like, you know, what you'd expect for any of this group or Robert and Christian, for that matter, to be fair, that, oh, they got into an argument and they they snapped and things got out of hand and they killed somebody. Like, whoever did this went up there with weapons, I think, within Jim and I both agreed, with the intent to kill. I think that they parked their car somewhere else. They planned to do this. So... 
it's like it, it was it was personal cause, but premeditated, so it kind of it kind of slides in the middle. So I don't really know what to expect mm-hmm. after this. Which, mm-hmm. And again, that's another one of the reasons why, as much as we're like going through this group as you know, and and gathering all the information about them, um, I still have a hard time connecting Becky as the target because I just don't see anything in her risk factors that would warrant someone to carry out a premeditated attack like this against her. And I haven't seen any, if I want to be honest, the only one that has shown that, that is giving me little indications of that with my amateur self might see as maybe some personality dis- disorders that might lead them down that path was Austin. Like I think uh, Dr. Shiloh's kind of take on the, on the interview is she mentioned is that he seemed like, like maybe there was some narciss- narcissism there uh, most people know narcissism and sociopathy tend, tend to be kind of, you know, first cousins, but, but I, I still don't see anything that would motivate him to do this. And as far as I know, in his post-defense behavior, we don't see anything to indicate that. So yeah, I, uh, I don't know. Those are really long. I feel like this whole episode is me rambling long answers to short questions, but, uh, yeah, I, th- th- there's this type of crime. I don't think would de- would necessarily warrant someone having to then have a history of continuing to do other such similar crimes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, th- uh, this is this is. I- I'm curious to hear where we're going next. Um, you know, as we kind of move through everybody and start moving into the people who were convicted, I'm getting. I feel a little nervous. You know, we we saw a post from Christine Roberts. Uh, sister in the Facebook wanted to acknowledge mm-hmm. that it was um, a very moving post. A lot of people saw it. A lot of people reacted to it, thanked Christine for coming on and uh, being very honest about, you know, her experience and her take on the guys and, you know, thanking us all for trying to, you know, come at this from a new direction and everything. Um, and I know people are very curious, you know, again, how how the case was built and wondering what, what what all that evidence is. I just hope that somewhere in here is something that takes us, if it's not them, you know, to, to take us in that in that other direction, that crucial direction where we really can, you know, it's just hard when you hear an interview like this because my heart worries like, oh, you know, hmm. if this is what, like, if this is the kind of follow up we're talking about and, you know, wh- where are we going to find that nugget that shows us this is the motive for the parents this is the motive for the house being burnt down this is what shows us that becky wasn't the target i hope it's there or i hope it comes to light through you know just people communicating with each other and things being dusted off and people coming up from out of the woodwork you know well hopefully we get there i mean that's that's the goal and we're still it's it's a long process like i i've mentioned several times and warned at the beginning of the season it's going to be a long one there's a ton you have three victims. You've got two people that were convicted. You've got a whole nother friend circle. Your victimology goes in a million different directions. So we're just uh, troping along. And um, as far as where we're going next, like I said last week, I foresee I foresee one more episode on this group, and then we're moving off of it. Which I know for for some people, they're ready to let, let's let's get on to a different different group. Um, so that's the plan. So this week's episode for Sunday is going to be. Um, kind of a wrap up for these, as I've mentioned, this is a tough season for me to, to figure out where to go next with each episode, because there's so many things that we can't skip that don't necessarily have 
a real important meeting. But what we're finding now is all these is we gather more information. All of a sudden, these pieces are starting to slide together from little nuggets we're getting from all these all these different interviews. So this week is going to be wrapping up this friend group for now. Where you know everything there's a pin in everything that we're going to circle back, um, and we're going to hear. Three, I'll have some analysis in there too. There's going to be three three different interviews you're going to hear. We're going to hear an interview with Javier's mother uh, that occurred just uh, less about two, three weeks, two and a half weeks after the murders. Uh, we're going to hear a very short interview with Jacob's mother that was recorded in 2015 that gives us a little insight there. And then we're going to hear a 2015 interview with Jacob's twin brother, Rolando. All as part of one episode. There's nothing. There's nothing huge or groundbreaking about them. It's just like these are the final things that fit that group that we can knock off of our list, take notes of of the things that are being said and done, and and then we're gonna from there move on. Um, I want to. I want to get deeply, obviously, into the case against Robert and Christian. I've got a few other loose ends I kind of want to tie up over the next few weeks, so we haven't heard the sisters' interviews. We haven't heard um, Claire Ripito was contacted, had some follow-up. Um, and then there's that Josh Ernie who was like, you know, we've all, as I mentioned him last week, but we've all kind of forgotten about him. But he he was this kind of new guy in her life that she talked to in the morning when she was leaving Denny's. And she he was the last person she talked to when he was on his way up the hill. Uh, and so we're going we're, we're gonna to make sure we cover him too. So it's going to be kind of, and we're also wrapping up kind of my my travel schedule with all the stuff we've had. You know, I was just in Kansas City, great event. Congratulations to the Gen Y guys on ten years, their ten year anniversary. Uh, and now in two weeks, we're going to be in Ohio for Obsessed Fest. So we're going to knock out some of these little loose ends, and then we're going to settle in. Um, you know, in in probably three or four weeks when all this is done, and we're going to go a deep dive into Robert and Christian and the case against them and the forensics and what happened at trial and all that stuff. So I know there was, I saw somebody that was in chat wanting us to scrutinize Robert and Christian as much as we are everybody else. It's not that we're giving them a pass. We just haven't covered them yet. And that's where we're going once we're done buttoning up these loose ends. So make sure you turn in this Sunday for the moms and the brother. And then uh, we're going to, we're going to shelf this whole section of the investigation with Javier and Jacob and that group, and then move on to the next one. Can we quickly slide in that I wanted to mention this, too, that Marilyn Mosby did petition the court to overturn uh, Adnan Syed's conviction. And there's some celebrating happening in the chat. Um, just a oh, quick. Oh, just give me chills. Just a quick little. We knew some good stuff was was uh, in the works with respect to Adnan. And um, it's official. She she says we need to. Wow. So did that happen while we were live just now? I think I, it, I think that. it happened a little bit earlier than right now, but it's very recent. Like I know um, one of our pals in the chat just got an alert about it as well. So if you're finding out That's from awesome. the chat, uh, it's official. It's now official. That's awesome. And and, and to put that so for anybody who doesn't quite understand what that, so Marilyn Mosby is the district attorney for Baltimore, the prosecuting attorney, and she has p- petitioned to the judge. To overturn, I'm yeah. plumped over yeah. this. I need to call Rabia uh, yeah. and figure out what's going on. That's so that that that's that seems pretty likely that it's going to happen if the person that's in charge of prosecuting him and keeping him in prison has a non in prison has now asked the court to overturn his conviction. That's yeah. incredible. Nobody I, wants I, him I, to be in prison anymore. Thirty minutes ago, yeah. Holly said uh, Holly Murdoch just said that Rabia just posted like thirty minutes ago. Yeah. This is, Wow. 
I'd literally I'm like I've <laughs> it's I've pretty cool. Pimples. It's pretty yeah. It's pretty freaking cool. Yeah. Awesome. All so right. With that, let's end on that good news. Yeah. You, is Janet verklempt? Of course Are you I am. Emotional? No, I've been waiting for this for a while. Like I've just known bits and pieces <laughs> and just, you know, it's like you're so scared to hope you know, you just hope, but you're so scared yeah. that it's not real. It's gonna the rug's gonna get pulled out. So it's just really great that that's official. It's out there. And, you know, nobody's going to take that back. Like, it's it's going to happen. That's a big deal. Before I start weeping. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thank you, guys. Justice is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondery. Edited by Kelly Barron's Brink, and all music for the show was created by PutThemInASong.com. Our follow-up logo was created by me, and all of our font across all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. You can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, TruthAndJusticePod.com where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. And a big thank you to our transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Kay Woodyomnik, Ginger Viola, Erica Cantor, Danielle Rohr, Jennifer Ford, Courtney Wimberly, and Melissa Cardenas. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in several ways. To financially support the show, the best thing you can do is just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You'll not only be supporting the show, but you'll get something in return. On Patreon, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we have reward levels. For just $5 a month, you get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes and behind-the-scenes bonus video content every week. Then other reward levels include t-shirts, hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. Just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You can also do us a huge favor by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the brands that sponsor this program. If you have a new case that you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is to engage in our investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page on Facebook. And for all you tweeters out there, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. To follow our personal accounts on social media, I can be found in all forms at Bob Ruff Truth. Janet can be found at Janet Varney. And Zach is at Z to the Q. And don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, or tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. As for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. I'm Zach Weaver. And I'm Janet Varney. And this has been Truth and Justice. I'm so glad that you caught that. Yeah, thanks everybody. I had no idea. <laughs> well, it was a I real authentic by, reaction. I was like waiting for you to there was a bunch of comments. I was like waiting for you to say something. I was yeah, I was moving to the chat was moving too fast so I wasn't looking because I was didn't want to get distracted. Well, good job on that. Good job on that. That's freaking like what the, what what ha- happened? Yeah. 
Well, you knew. Did they get DNA? I mean, you knew there was. But but also, look who's not crying. Ah. Yeah, but you didn't follow that case. Talking about me, who's the emotional one? (laughs) Look who's not crying. You didn't follow that case though. So you're right. I know. I know. Um, But I'm. I. I see it in you guys. I can. I can see both of you right now, and I I see it in you guys. It's. It's amazing. It's also just like for his family and for Rabia. You know, they just fought so hard. <laughs> you're, gonna, you're gonna cry just from us. I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm happy to see this. Oh, I cannot wait. I'm sure Robbie's getting bombarded right now. Oh, I yeah. I don't know what, like, did they get DNA results back? Like, what happened? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they, I think, yeah, I, it, we gotta look it up because I don't know if it's like it had that it took the DNA or if it was just like sort of the overwhelming above and Pryor beyond retest. Yeah. John just texted me asking him, like, holy shit, did you know about this prosecutor thing? What is going on? Uh, let me look. Let me get to Robbie's Twitter real quick while we're still on here. It's yeah. Here. I'm guessing there's no details. Oh. Okay. I'm going straight to news. I mean, I, I definitely, I didn't follow this case like you guys did. I don't know much about this case. I've, you know, I, I've, I've. Yeah. Yeah, I've watched some documentaries. I've learned about it, but her, watching your guys's emotion to this is, <laughs> is incredible. And, it, and I mean, it really like, I know how much it means to so many people. I'm trying not to just ball. Uh, it says, "Okay, this Forbes is the Baltimore yeah. State's attorney has filed a motion asking the court to throw out a non-conviction and give him a new trial." I've read the motion. I have read the motion yet. So she hasn't read the motion yet. I'll do an Insta Live at 4 p.m. Eastern time to talk about what all this means. Boy, I yeah. this It sounds like it's more than just testing the DNA. It sounds like there maybe the bombshell finally got used. I don't know. You know, Colin's bombshell. Like, well, there's yeah, a so lot. Colin, there's more here to it than just, um, oh, we tested DNA. There's more here to it. It's, you know, they're talking about new evidence. The Colin, oh, so are you read? Because I just saw Colin Miller just tweeted, "Boom, a non-sad murder conviction should be vacated." Oh, and then it's a Wall Street Journal. Article. I don't have the, I don't subscribe to the Wall Street Journal, so I can only look at the first like paragraph and a half, and then it's like, you can't want, you can't read this. Colin says this, and he's quoting the article. The state's attorney for Baltimore City said in a motion filed Wednesday in circuit court that near that a that a nearly year-long investigation conducted with the defense found new evidence, including information concerning the possible involvement of two alternate suspects. So they fucking solved it. I mean, that's what that sounds like, right? Yeah. (laughs) Either separately or together. Jesus. The suspects were known at the time of the first investigation, but not properly ruled out. Information at the time of trial that the alternate suspect said he would make Hay disappear. He would kill her. <gasps> what the fuck was that? That's I swear to you, that's Colin's bombshell. You know that's Colin's bombshell. He has been sitting. The one that he never shared. Yeah. That's. I'm sure that's what it is. I could be wrong, but don't you think that's what it is? Oh my it's god. Gotta be in it. And now I'm wondering. So they were known at the time of the trial. Who was? They were known. They were known. Yeah, this is. I mean, I that's mean, the shit that you they know who I've always thought they could. You know who I've always thought that it was. But, you know, the, yeah, I know. It, but like, and I'm trying to, to think make, of who else there were. Somebody no other said they could make hay disappear. 
Jesus Christ. And they knew that at the time. Are they going to make a fucking arrest? We should get off of here, but I figured the Patreon people deserve to see yeah. that actually shake out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's got to be so, it's got to be so big for the prosecutor, yeah. for Mosby to come out publicly and say that she wants a conviction overturned. Yeah. And she's got to have evidence then pointing to who, there's got to be strong evidence pointing to who actually did it. Yeah. Now she said new trial, so it could be based on Brady. So like maybe that statement was withheld from the defense. <sighs> maybe that was Colin's bombshell. Robbie is going to do a, a Instagram live at one, my time for your time. Right. Oh my God. All right. Well, let's let's get off the okay. Patreon and then we'll text each other all day. All right. Well, every, every you guys saw everything <laughs> happen. What a ride from the beginning of this uh, follow up to right now. Um, yeah. So suddenly, all those. I know. Seem, I know. Oh my god! It's a really <laughs> big deal. Okay. All right. Well, um, listen. Feel free to let me know what Robbie says because I'm not going to bother her. I don't know everything else, but she'll want to hear from you. She loves you. Yeah, she I, likes me. Okay, I'll... too. I'm just, but. She loves her Bobarev. I'm going to wait until after her live. I don't want, I'm sure she's like going crazy right now. So I don't want to give her one more person. So I'll watch it on the live. I'm sure I'll see you on the Instagram live at four o'clock. I mean, I definitely, am I supposed to be doing something at that time? Who cares? I'll find a way to not deal with it. Okay. Um, (laughs) All right, guys. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Yeah. So real quick to make sure we get our logistics right. Yes. So audio, audio to Kelly, that video Video file you. you have to me. Great. Okay. Please. Oh my God, I really should have All stopped right. recording this a long time ago, Kelly. I'm so oh, shit. Me too. Well, hey, at least we have it. <laughs> that can be some bonus.